What is up, Deep Dive Sports listeners? It's another episode of Two Minute Drill, and you got myself, Dom, and David. As always, we're going to skip quarter one here. We're too good. We're just going to blow out the other team real quick. No recaps to come in because we are too excited because it is the week. The week, everybody. Ohio State versus that team up north. Get pumped. Get excited. It's time. Um, I think this is a big one. This one is going to mean a lot for whoever wins this game. Obviously, you have the other side um, that feels jaded. They're without their head coach. Um, You have the Ohio State side, which feels like, hey, we were cheated out of the last two years. And there's a lot of pressure on Ryan Day to win this game. But I'm going to kick it over to David here first, man. What, What do you think the mindset of Michigan is going into this game right now? I think that their mindset is going into this game is that the last two years that they beat Ohio state weren't flukes and that they actually legitimately legitimately won those games. So I think that they got that and mixed in that the sign stealing scandal won't matter. Um, So they, I think mixed with those two things, I think they're going to want to come out and come out aggressive, especially considering it's Ohio state. So, and considering that they've had Ohio state for the better part of a decade, almost two decades now, Ohio state's pretty much had their number. Yeah. I think probably since what, 2000 Michigan's only one, maybe four, four, four or five times. Maybe if that, I, think maybe- I can only think of three. Three, yeah, I I I feel like they got one in like the early early two thousands, maybe, because yeah, probably like two thousand two thousand one. Yeah, so it might be like four or five. We'll we'll say four or five is a healthy number. But I agree with you a lot, David. Is I think that they're super delusional in thinking that the the sign stealing factor of it didn't help them. Um, and I think they're gonna go into this game like you said, feeling like hey. That was not a fluke as the the players are going to go be like, hey, we know that we're better than them. We can play better than them. And that's fine on the player standpoint. I think the coaches will try to push that as well, too. Like, hey, that had nothing to do with it, whatever. Again, a little bit delusional. It is what it is. I think added to that mindset is I'm going to call it hatred. I think for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't know if you can look at many other rivalries and be like, where you could pull people from around the country and put them on your team and then just instilling in them this hatred for this other team somehow it's it's very it's very interesting and i love it i think that's what make this this rivalry so good is that you could have a freshman that comes in who literally lived in arizona and now they have a hatred for whichever team that they're not on somehow and you've been able to factor that and the other thing i think is their mindset is they're going to go out and try to win this one for harbaugh because i do think that they blame ohio state for the reason that they're in the situation that they're in because of the report coming out that ohio state was the one that um pushed for all this and hired the private investigator even though all that was debunked i still feel like they think that ohio state had a hand in it so i think those are the three things that their mindset they're going to be thinking about going to this game but dom what do you think anything to add to that um i mean i agree with a lot of what you guys have said i do think this is going to be a highly competitive game i don't expect it to really be that high scoring i think both defenses are some of the best in the country um so i expect a 
relatively low scoring defensive battle. Um, I think both teams are going to have a chip on their shoulder um, with Ohio State losing the last two years and Michigan with whatever is going on right now. Um, but I do think that Ohio State's going to pull away from this one. Um, I just trust their offense a little bit more than Michigan's offense. I know what uh, I know what Michigan did to Penn State and kind of like a big flex move, not even attempting a pass in the second half because they didn't need to. Um, you know, M- Michigan's run game is really the only part of that offense that really concerns me, but I have enough faith in Ohio State's defense to where you can kind of mitigate that a little bit. And, I mean, you got Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, you can have any quarterback back there. Just throw it to Marvin. Let him let him win you the game. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's you know we'll kind of get into the keys of the victory a little bit later. But yeah, I think mindset wise for Michigan, they like we said, they they want to win this game for multiple different reasons. They want to win it bad. So let's move on to their head coach real quick. I don't know if you guys are big Ted Lasso fans. I am, <laughs> but Mister. Uh, Jim Harbaugh sign stealing himself. He decided to quote Ted Lasso kind of in response to not being available for this game. If you guys didn't know, um, he said, it's like, it's like the Ted Lasso show belief. What comes out of that is belief. And I'm, I'm just so proud. So proud of our team. Despite that noise, our locker room, sorry, our locker rooms in one piece. And I like that for me, locker rooms, a lot like my, a lot like my mom's bathing suit, like to see him in one piece. So if you guys have never watched Ted Lasso, he has these crazy, just weird out of the pocket quotes that he says. Um, and Jim Harbaugh decided to use them. I don't think necessarily it's a bad quote. I think that is something that they're trying to push for is, you know, all for one, one for all mentality. Like, hey, we're backed into a corner we have to fight ourselves out of this together. Not one person is going to get us through this. Um, but I'm interested to kind of see what you guys thought about him using the quote and then maybe, you know, the meaning behind it for this team, Dom. I mean, it is what it is. I, I think to me, it doesn't really mean anything. Like sure. The everyone on in the locker room is going to be unified because they think it's, you know, them against the world right now. You know, him quoting Ted Lasso doesn't really, matter too much to me um, because I think the messaging would have been the same no matter what. Um, But he's going to say anything he can to save face at this point. I don't know, try to motivate the team as best as possible. Yeah, David? Completely agree. I think that doesn't really mean anything because at the end of the day, he's not the one in the locker room for the game day. Um. That really comes down to whoever the interim head coach for the game is. And yeah, just that. Yeah. Again, like I said, I think the quote is probably well placed for him. They want to be one unit. They want to be together. I don't think it's a a bad quote to use. Definitely something interesting um, to pull from. He kind of seems, I don't know. I don't want to say he seems very similar to to Ted Lasso, but I feel like behind closed doors, he says a lot of like weird, crazy quotes. You know, Mr. Khaki Man. I feel like that's what he does. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Just simple and quick, guys. Who's under the most pressure, David? Ryan Day, easily. Okay. Because 
unless he goes out and actually wins the national championship, they're going to, the school, the, uh, what is it called? Um, anyways, the school and it's like founders or not founders, the fun people. Um, the fun people? The fund, like people who provide yeah. funds. <laughs> what? I can't even think of the name because I'm so confused. <laughs> I, boosters. Boosters. Thank you. That's the word. I'm like, I'm like trying to figure out what the heck you're saying. And I'm like, the fun people. What the heck? Yeah, fun. I thought at first I thought he said fun people. I did too. I thought he said like F U N. I was like, what? <laughs> no. What the heck? Boosters. Thank you. Boosters. Okay. Yeah. Because can we leave that in for a blooper? <laughs> what the heck is going on? <laughs> uh, but yeah, the boosters are gonna look at this game, and if he loses and doesn't win the national championship, they're not gonna let the third year in a row of losing the Michigan slide. Or is it four now? Be three. Be okay. Three. I, I don't know. I, I disagree. I, I I agree that I think he's under pressure, but I disagree that I don't think they'll let him go after this year because of everything that's happened. But Dom, who do you think's under the most pressure to win this game? I think I think it's equal for different reasons. One, mm-hmm. if you're an Ohio State coach, you can't lose to Michigan three years in a row. Like that's you can win every other game. Like like Ryan Day has, but losing to Michigan three years in a row that's that's pretty unacceptable. Um, but then with everything going on at Michigan, I think there's a lot of implications on this game and all the investigations going forward. I think that's going to determine how much Michigan's willing to stand by Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I I don't think I don't think if Michigan wins. Harbaugh's not going to, he's not going to go anywhere. They're not going to fire him. But if he loses, I mean, who knows? Everything's on the table. If if he loses and then these investigations come back and they're really damning of, of Michigan, you know, I, I could see that kind of leaving a bad taste in the university's mouth. And, you know, they may, you know, if, if especially if Harbaugh's facing a lengthy suspension, they may just want to move on. Yeah. I, I'm going to address a couple things. I agree. I think, I think both sides are equally under the the pressure, like equally under the most pressure. Um, I think Michigan's under a lot of pressure because, like we talked about with their mindset, they have to prove that those we're going to call it what it is. Before the sign stealing stuff, we thought, yo, that that was a dominating performance by those two Michigan teams. They dominated Ohio State physically. They dominated us and. I think that they have to prove that that is still what they are capable of doing because the narrative for them is, okay, did you really dominate Ohio State like that? Or is it because you knew what they were going to run plays wise? Now, I don't know if you can put that all on the players. I think that's a little bit unfair. Obviously, I think it helps them how much the players knew. We'll probably never know. I'm assuming not a lot of them or any of them knew probably at all. It's probably a lot more on the coaching staff. But again, that that helps, right? So I think the players are going to go out there and they're going to be under pressure to perform and to not just beat Ohio State, but dominate Ohio State. That's what they're going to want to do. 
on the other side, like you guys said, with Ryan Day, he has to beat Michigan. I don't think that he can – I don't think his reputation can take that kind of a hit for losing them. But also there's this weird narrative of like, oh, well, you can use the excuse the past two years, but what happens if you lose this year? You can't use that excuse anymore. But I do think it's a little unfair because I honestly think if they didn't have our signs or they didn't know what was going on, those games would have been closer because in the first half, those games were really close. It was in the second half when they blew them out. So I think if it's a hard fought game and it's a close game and Ohio State loses, yes, that sucks. You know, they're not going to take the wins away. He'll still have those three losses. But I think from a a booster standpoint, an athletic director standpoint, Ohio State president standpoint, they're still going to look at Ryan Day and be like, he's one of the best coaches in the country. He's one of the best, you know, guys when it comes to recruiting. He's put together a really good coaching staff. Like, I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I don't think the pressure is for him to lose his job. I just think the pressure is for his legacy at this point. Do you want to be known as the Ohio State coach to kind of, I guess, lose that streak of beating Michigan and in the rivalry, them getting the better of you, especially without their head coach on the sideline. So I do think that that's, that's where that pressure comes from him. Um, But again, I don't think it's as big as it would have been if this sign stealing stuff never came out. Like if we were going into this game and there was nothing about sign stealing and Jim Harbaugh's on the other side and Ryan day loses this game, then I do think people look at him differently and people start to question whether or not he's the one to lead this program. But I do think with all this stuff, he's going to get a little bit of a pass with it if he does lose. Um, and if he does win, then he's going to get all the recognition for it as well, too. So anything else to add on that, guys? I mean, that's fair. I mean, if if they're only losing one game a year and still making the playoffs and have a chance at a national championship, I mean, I as much as it sucks losing to Michigan, I guess it is kind of hard to let him go because I mean, you know, the, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, you know? So, I mean, you could let Ryan day go, who has been a very successful head coach and, you know, what are you going to replace him with? I mean, yeah, it's going to be a highly sought after job, but I don't know the the, the risk of letting him go and the, the uncertainty of what you'd replace him with had, yeah, I I kind of agree with what you said. Yeah, there's just there's just nobody else out there when you look at the landscape of coaching where you're like they're going to come in and be able to replace that. And I think I think the other thing too to look at and there's a comment that I heard was, you know, Ryan Day has only lost to like top 10 teams in the country. He's he hasn't he hasn't had those losses like Urban Meyer and Trust had those losses against teams who were like, "Why the frick did we lose that game?" You know what I mean? And Ryan Day hasn't had that. And I'm not saying it makes it better to lose, but in retrospect, like if, like Dom said, if you're losing one game a year or two games a year and they're both to like top five teams in the country, like, yes, that sucks. You don't want to lose, but you're losing against like talent, at least. You know what I mean? You're not going out there and losing to 250 ranked Rutgers or something like that for no reason. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a, that that's, that's something that, that means something. And I think that, that'll give him a little bit more of a, a leash than what other programs have. But yeah, he's, they, they have to win this game. I think to shut down this narrative of, of the, the, the science dealing scandal and, and that, you know, using it as an excuse, I think that they have to win this game. So, yeah. 
Um, which I don't think is fair because I don't think you should look at Ohio State and be like, oh, you're just using it as an excuse. It's not an excuse. I mean, when you go back and you rewatch those games, you even look at the announcers and they're like, it kind of feels like they know exactly what they're going to run. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. you're like, ah. The counterpoint to that would be, you know, all the, the Michigan people would say, oh, it took us not having our coach on the sidelines for, for you to beat us. Which I, I think is kind of BS considering, you know, like you just said with the sign stealing stuff, but, but that's gonna be their that's gonna be their argument. And you know what? My response would be, we're in the playoffs. <laughs> you're you're yeah. not gonna be. Well, and, and the other thing is too, like, well then don't don't cheat. And that's not the only thing that he's done. Like I think a lot of people right. forget that he's under investigation for two other things. He was already under investigation for um, recruiting violations, which he gave him a a self-imposed three-game suspension at the beginning of the year. And then he's under investigation for something else. So, you know, he has broken rule after rule after rule after rule. And you look at that and you're like, okay, they're on like a 20-and-1 streak right now or something like that. You couldn't do it without cheating multiple different ways. So what are we really talking about? What What is the real conversation? Is it really an excuse or is it that the loud minority of the Michigan fan base is just being so loud and so obnoxious about it that we're really overlooking the fact that they cheated? I mean, you have people like Desmond Howard who has a, a you know, a national platform in ESPN basically saying that it's no big deal. And... And that's of course crazy. he's going to say that because he's a Michigan alum. Yeah, but that that's crazy to me. Like you 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 have to hold people accountable, and Jim Harbaugh not being there is them being held accountable. And I understand the players; they're going to rally behind it because they're they're the players. They really don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who you knows? Have to put your bias aside sometimes, yeah. and you know you have to look at look at things objectively. You know, as as big of an Ohio State fan as I am, if the shoe was on the other foot, I would be condemning Ohio State just as much as I would uh, Michigan right now. Yeah, because you can't. There has to be a standard. I, I know that. I know that some of these little ticky tacky rules are dumb, and and we can all sit back and be like, okay, that's kind of stupid. But like, it, it's a rule. The rules are the rules. You know, yeah. as stupid as they are, they're the rules at this point, and you know, you're kind of required to follow. Yeah. And you can advocate for the rules to change and, you know, hopefully over time they do, but you have to follow the rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys, quickly, quickly, quickly. Keys to victory for Ohio State this weekend. Dom, go ahead. Um, McCord has to take care of the ball, which he's been doing. Um, Trevion Henderson has to continue this really – really impressive stretch of games that he's put together and that the defense needs to continue just doing what they're doing. I mean, really that Ohio state doesn't really need to change anything about how they play. They just need to continue doing what they already have been doing. Um, just stay focused and, you know, do what you're good at. Okay. All right, David, what are your keys to Ohio state victory? I think that they need to keep doing what they're doing. Great defense. Great running game great passing game i think that um mccord needs to make his passes he doesn't need to be super flashy with it he just needs to make his passes don't make mistakes run game is still very good and as long as that keeps up 
Um, I think they can balance the two together and be fine. And then the defense just needs to be strong. Like it has been all, all season. Yeah, I agree with two. Th- I, I agree with two of the things you guys said, and I'll have two more. So the two things I agree with is the defense has to continue to be physical and they have to continue to be dominant in that front seven. Um, the one thing I'll add to that defense is you need to be healthy. Denzel Burke needs to be healthy. The rest of that secondary needs to be healthy so that they can also be productive in stopping the pass game. I think that's a huge, that's a huge key to this game. Um, you could do all you want to get to the the quarterback. You can do all you want to stop the run game, but if you don't have the secondary back there to be able to stop those wide receivers, it's going to be tough um, to do both. So I think if they can be healthy on that side of the ball, that's going to help that defense even more. The other thing I agree with, Dom, is that Travion Henderson, he has to have a big game. He has to continue being explosive. I think him being healthy has been the best thing for this team i think at the beginning of this season we really had question marks about who was going to be the the main runner in this backfield who was going to be the most explosive where were they going to get it from and Trayvon henderson you know being out for a couple weeks getting healthy coming back and he has been super explosive he's been a real catalyst for this offense the fourth and final thing ryan day and comicord have to have a come to jesus moment and they have to sit down and they have to be like it's time it's time to let it loose. It's time to it's time to be the Ohio State quarterback. And I think we saw that with CJ Stroud in that Georgia game. And I'm not saying that we need a similar performance, but Kyle McCord has to come out and he has to play clean like David said. He has to not turn the ball over like Dom said. He has to push the ball down the field. He has to get his weapons involved. Cade Stover, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Abuka. Those guys all have to be involved in this game. As much as we want to run the ball, the Michigan defense is one of the best defenses in the country along with Ohio State. Like Don said earlier, this is going to be a defensive game. What's going to set us apart is that we have the best wide receiver in the country. We have another wide receiver who's probably top 10 in the country, top 15. And we have a tight end who's probably one of the top 10 tight ends in the country as well too. He's going to have to get them all involved and he has to be accurate. He has to be dialed in and he has to go out there and probably have one of the best performances that he's going to have this season to beat this team because they are going to be coming for their throat. Michigan wants to win this game bad. We have to want to win it even more. And Kyle McCord has to go out there and perform like he wants it more than anybody else. So anything else you guys want to add to that? Go Buckeyes. Go Buckeyes. There you go. There you go. Um, That's a, I, a fun time for a game, right? Smack dab in the middle of like you got, you know, Thanksgiving on we got Thanksgiving on Thursday and you know, college football Saturday, NFL Sunday. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun weekend. Fun weekend for football around. Um, big game. Big, 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 big game. So yeah. I will say going forward, I know the schedule's gonna change with um you know, the new teams coming onto the Big Ten next year. They better not move this game. Yeah, I know. That, I know there were talks about maybe moving it up in the season, um, making it a prime time game, which I think they've done before. Wasn't it like 2006, like the Troy Smith year, when Ohio State, and Michigan were like one and two? Wasn't that like a prime time game? I'm I'm okay with it being like a night game. Um, I think this year it's what Big Noon kick- kickoff. So yeah, I don't know something about the tradition of this game being 
this weekend on a Saturday. No, it's got it's got to be the last game of the season. It's got yeah, it's got to be the last game of the season, and I like that it's at noon. Yeah, because it's. I will say this: I I feel like for the past however long this rivalry has been a thing, this has been this has been the game that decides the Big Ten. I, I think a lot of the time. I think you could look back at probably 60 to 70% of football played since this rivalry started. And I think you could confidently say that at least 60% of the time, this game has decided what the big 10 is going to big 10 champion is going to be. And yeah, I think it has to be the last game. I don't care if it's a night game or a big noon kickoff, but I do think it has to be either one prime time wise, you know, college game day has got to be there. A night game would be, would be fun. Um, would be a fun game, <laughs> especially like in in either stadium. Um, Ohio State can do like the blackout or something. I don't know. It'd be it'd be it'd be a fun time. So, but now that we spent thirty minutes talking about Ohio State because we love them so much, we're gonna move on to our quarter three here. We're gonna talk about some current topics within the NFL, and we're gonna just rip the bandit off here right off the bat. Matt Canada, guys, he got fired. Let go. He's gone. Steelers fans rejoice. Um, I was watching the Pat McAfee show the other day and they showed uh <laughs> just the they showed all of the previous footage of them going through that because Pat McAfee does like the college game day show or whatever or something like that now. Yeah, and just I saw going, that going through the different places that they've been this year, and almost every single place there's been a fire Matt Canada chant. So I don't know if it's, you know, for the memes or if there's really that many Steelers fans out there. I think it's maybe a mixture of both. But, you know, real quick, Tomlin's quotes on this were, you know, there's a lot of layers to this, obviously. Our most recent performance and I'm sorry, let me restart. Tomlin's quotes on this are, this is a result oriented business. And to be short, the improvements were not rapid enough or consistent enough for us to proceed. You got to score touchdowns in this business. You got to win games in this business. And just the totality has us where we are today. There's a lot of layers to this, obviously. Our most recent performance, a component of it. But I just think you know when you're there to be blunt and short about the answer. Again, not saying that flippantly, not taking the situation lightly at all, but just having been in the role I've been in for some time. You just know when you're there and you do this at the totality of can't even pronounce it. The totality of the myriad of variables. I think I said that word wrong. But basically, Mike Tomlin, you know, I think it's in my opinion, a little too late to make this decision in the season, but better late than never, I guess. <laughs> I will always say. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and kick this one over to David first. Just Thoughts on this firing, um, thoughts on the comments from Mike Tomlin, and I guess your thoughts on, you know, just the situation in totality. I think about about freaking time that they finally got rid of him. Um, better late than never. Um, preferably, we would have gotten it before the season started. And um, I think that Matt Canada and the rest of the – like offensive, like coaches and whatnot that kind of fell under him. Um, didn't really help, uh, Kenny Pickett's growth 
granted there is some of that can that can be put on Kenny Pickett himself. That I'm not putting a hundred percent blame on Matt Canada. I'm saying that he just didn't help. And then there's a bunch of other factors on top of that, like offensive line hasn't been the greatest during Kenny Pickett's lifetime. So I think that getting a legit offensive coordinator in there not only would help play calling, but try to set a strong standard for the offense and then going into next season and well, I should say next off season, try and actually help Kenny Pickett. And if he's, because at that point, the coaching staff in the front office did their part. Now it falls 100% on Kenny Pickett. And if he's not able to grow and actually show that he can be a legitimate quarterback, then they need to move on from Kenny Pickett. Okay. All right. Uh, Dom, what's your opinion on all this? Um, I agree with a lot of what David said. I think it's long overdue. Um, clearly it wasn't working. You could see how unmotivated the, the offense was. Um, you can look at Najee after uh, the game this past week, um, looking kind of dejected and um, like just upset, sad. I don't know, but he he just looked like a guy that wasn't enjoying uh, football at the moment. Um, and I think you could say that for a lot of the guys on the offense and, you know, probably the defense as well, because the defense has been putting in a lot of work and they're like, all right, what else do you want us to do? Like we can't score all the touchdowns when that's the offense's job. Um, so while I, I I don't think the play on the field will improve too much, um, I think the team will be more motivated. Um, the vibes in the locker room will be a lot better. Um, I do think that there is a lot a lot of blame has to go on the players as well. This wasn't just a Matt Canada thing. Granted, he was a big part of the problem. I think, you know, Kenny Pickett, while, you know, not all of the blame is to him, you look at some of the some of the throws that he's made, you know, missing wide open guys. There was that play last week where he launched a ball downfield and there was no one in the like a 40 yard vicinity. Casper the ghost. Yeah, well, Casper the Ghost wasn't wearing a Sealer jersey, so I, I don't wide know. open, Dom, didn't you see? It? Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, <laughs> so while I think this is a step in the in the right direction to kind of fix the problem, I do think that they reached on a lot of talent. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett. I know you know he went to Pitt, and there's an emotional connection to that, and they wanted to take him, um, but I, I don't think he was. I don't think using a first round pick on him was justified. Um, but I think he, I think Sam Howell in the same draft one in the, in the third round, and he's looked a lot better in one year as a starter than Pickett has in two. Um, I think Najee has kind of shown why you don't really draft running backs in the first round. And you can get, I mean, look at Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren was taken a lot later in the draft, and he's looked so much better. We've seen running backs. Isaiah Pacheco, for example, taken in the seventh round. Nick Chubb, second round. Like you see running backs taken later in the draft that are just as productive as, you know, guys that have all the hype and guys that, you know, go in the first round. Um, 
I, I think that draft pick could have been used to solidify the offensive line, maybe get more depth in the secondary. And then you could have maybe drafted a running back later and had a better pairing with uh, Jalen Warren. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of things you're saying. I I disagree with the Najee thing because I do think his first two seasons, he was a really productive running back. I just think that when you when you don't have a very good offensive line that doesn't get very good push and your play calls are so predictable that guys are able to come through the exact gap that you're going to run into. Najee Harris took a lot of abuse his first two years in the league. So I think this year you're seeing the result of that. You're seeing the result of somebody who's taken a lot of hits, taken a lot of abuse, somebody who was the focal point of the offense. Um, And now, like you kind of mentioned, he does seem very disjected. He does seem very like sad that he's not having fun. I think that has a big part of it. Um, but I just think he's worn down. Unfortunately, they've used him too much. They used him in the wrong way and they didn't protect him enough. And I think, I think that has a lot to do with it. I don't think he was a bad player. I I think where he was picked, cause he was picked later in the first round. So it's not like it was an awful place for him. Um, the Kenny Pickett pickup, I honestly think as much as that has to do in the front office, picking up him in the first round when I don't think they needed to. I think that also you could look at Big Ben and, and blame him a lot too for his I'm going to retire, I'm not going to retire mentality. And they never were able really to find his replacement. And I think they looked at that draft class and they thought, hey, Kenny Pickett's the most polished. Kenny Pickett's the most ready to go. Um, he seems to be the best out of that draft class. And when you really look at it, I mean, obviously I don't think anybody saw Brock Purdy coming from where he came. So I don't really want to use that argument, but Outside of that, like Sam Howell's looked all right, but I don't think Sam Howell has been a world beater this year. He's really kind of felt fallen off the past couple of weeks. Um, and again, it's first year starting, so maybe he'll get better year two of starting. But I don't think Sam Howell's really looked like, oh my God, you're so much better than what Kenny Pickett is. Um, so I just think that quarterback draft class just, just sucked. I mean, we haven't seen even Malik Willis play, and when he has, it wasn't that well. So other than Brock Purdy literally being the last pick in the draft, I don't think really any of those quarterbacks in that draft probably should be guys that we're relying on to lead our franchise. And I think that goes to the point with Kenny Pickett. I think as much as you could look at Matt Canada and be like, hey, he he calls dumb plays. They're very predictable. It doesn't make sense why we're calling so many down the sideline, back shoulder fades to our wide receivers. I don't really understand why that's a thing. Um, also like, let's talk about the Browns game last week. How perfect of a game plan would that be week in and week out for Kenny Pickett? What they did with DTR, that game plan of just having him dink and dunk his way down the field. He didn't really turn the, he turned the ball over once, but really wasn't on him because his wide receiver volleyball served it into the air. If he doesn't do that and he holds onto the ball, there's no interception for DTR there. And for the most part, he was pretty accurate. He threw the ball a lot of times, but... 43 times. But for the most part, I feel like he was around like 55, 60%. I think that's got to improve a little bit, but also you're going against defense that's pretty solid. So... It was also his second start. Yeah, but again, that game plan of like, hey, we're going to do these ins, these slants, these turnarounds that, you know, mostly are going to go a couple, like 10 yards down the field 
maybe we're going to get to like some 15, 20 yard throws. I think he hit, what was it, uh, Amari Cooper for a pretty deep pass. So like mm-hmm. we'll we'll stretch the field a little bit, but why that has not been the game plan with Kenny Pickett this whole time has like been baffling to me because I I looked at that and I was like, that makes so much more sense. Why are we always doing, you know, medium to deep passes all the time? Why is there nothing underneath? Why is there nothing to the tight end underneath? Like, why are we not using Deontay Johnson in the slot more? Why are we only passing the ball to Kenny Pickett when it's down the sidelines, back shoulder fades? Like, that dude is an absolute monster. We should be getting him more involved in different areas of the field. So, as much as it is on Matt Canada, in the, that regard, I do think, like David and, and like you said, Dom, it, it's a lot on Kenny Pickett, and Kenny Pickett has to show improvement. I think... Right now, they have the running backs coach who's going to be hold the OC title. So he'll be the one that like runs the offensive uh, meetings and all that good jazz. And then their quarterbacks coach is the one that's going to be calling plays. Mike Tomlin said that he wanted cohesiveness between Kenny Pickett and his quarterbacks coach. So he felt that if the quarterbacks coach was the one who was calling plays, um, they would be able to work well together. Also, I think the quarterbacks coach has had a past of calling plays on other teams so that gives him the ability to do that as well too how well that's going to work out i don't know but i think going forward they just have to be like can he go out there and play because like david said i don't think that he gets next year i i wouldn't give him i think you get the rest of this season go out there you better show us something show us improvement show that you can make your passes like dom said there's no reason that you should be hitting casper the ghost down the sidelines um in the game ceiling drive what the what the absolute fuck yeah, are we I, doing? Like, more I, about that, like, you see guys, you know, there's always going to be some sort of miscommunication with the wide receiver. Maybe there's an option route, and the quarterback thought he was going to go on the nine, and, and here he did it out. This wasn't even, this wasn't even close. Nope. Like, not even, like, it's unexcusable. Also, how that but, was an intentional grounding, I, I, I don't also understand. But, I, again, I, I just think that, he has to go out there and show improvement. And I don't think it has to be like, oh my God, you go from being like probably the bottom five quarterback in the league to you're the best quarterback in the league now. But I do think that you need to see him go out there and be more accurate, push the ball down the field, get the guys involved around him. There's enough talent on that team weapon-wise that they should be scoring more points than what they are. And they should be better than what they are. I think wide receiver wise, you have a top half of the league wide receiving core. I think with Jalen Warren the way he is, if you're able to get Najee Harris involved the way that he's supposed to be, I think you can have a top 20 run game in the league. And I think you have in Pratt Firemouth when he's healthy, a top 15, maybe even a, I'll say top 15, top half of the league, tight end in the league as well, too. So this offense should be top 20 in the league instead of 31st. Um, the offensive line has got to play better, but I there's so many other problems that that's not even really what we're focused on. And I don't even think the offensive line is really playing that bad. I just think that other teams knew what plays they were going to run because they literally ran the same play five times in a row the week before. So I don't think – what can the offensive line even do about that if the other team knows, like, oh, we're just going to run it to the right five times in a row? <laughs> like, what are we supposed to do with that? So I don't know. Again – better late than never it's not all on Matt Canada like we said I do think that you could 
put 60% of the blame on Matt Canada. Um, but I think that now you have to look at the rest of those guys and Najee Harris has to play better. Kenny Pickett has to play better. And those play callers have to put those guys in positions to be successful because this defense is too good to be basically wasting it away, figuring out what we're going to do um, in this situation. This this team should be a lot better in a better position than what it is um, when you hold teams to under 20 points every single week. So your offense should be able to at least score enough points to win these games. I don't know. Um. Let's move on to the Broncos, guys. Holy crap! What they started one and five, and now we're uh, we're five and five <laughs> on the season. What's your guys' thoughts on them? And and do you think that this is a playoff team going forward? Do you think that they figured it out? Um, do you think maybe they're just a little bit of pretenders right now? What's your thoughts on it? I'll go ahead and start with Dom. Um, I kind of don't know how to feel about them because because of how bad they started the year. Um, I thought that the team was going to be a disaster, but you look at the teams that they've beaten, you know, most notably the Chiefs, you know, it's hard to call them a pretender when they've had a very impressive stretch recently against good opponents too. I mean, the Vikings are no joke. They're a, they're a team that's a playoff contender, the NFC, the Chiefs are arguably one of the best teams in the AFC and they beat them as well. Um, we saw throughout the whole year, Russ has been playing better than he did last year. The biggest problem was the defense and the defense after giving up 70 points to Miami has kind of really figured things out. Um, I don't know what changes they made behind the scenes or if there was a players only meeting or something, or it was just taking a little bit of time for the defensive coordinator to, to really get guys to buy into his system but the defense has been significantly better. Um, so I, at this point, I'm leaning on saying that, yeah, they can legitimately make the playoffs. And it would be amazing if they did because, because of how bad they started the year. All right, all right. David, uh, what's your thoughts on this? Um, I think that anyone, that any team can make the playoffs, if, especially if they can catch fire soon enough if they struggled early on and um so the chances of them being in the playoffs is not unrealistic um but i wouldn't be surprised if they fell back a little bit and didn't make the playoffs especially considering how much they struggled early on and so there is that. I think that they've definitely improved. I definitely think that they came together after their massive loss against Miami. And they must have had some kind of meeting to say, hey, how can we prevent this from happening again? Because that this was embarrassing for everyone. This was embarrassing for the coaching staff. This was embarrassing for the players. Uh, performing on the field. And so I think that whatever they did to come together seems to have worked, at least for right now. I don't know how well the rest of the season's going to look out, but for right now, they've definitely looked good. 
Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat with with both you guys. I think Dom kind of hit it like we don't really know what to feel about these guys. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that they're in the right direction. I think that if they can continue doing what they're doing, I think Russell Wilson, even last year, you look at it and he really didn't play as awful as I think a lot of people want to make it out to be. And this year, a lot of people wanted to blame him again, but it really wasn't all on him. He wasn't playing awful. So I think if this team can continue to improve, if Russell Wilson can continue to put them in positions to win games, this might be one of those teams when come playoff time that that they're very gritty and you may not really want to play them because they've shown that they can beat some of the better teams in the league. And that's more than what we could say for teams like the Dolphins. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which a lot of people have them at the top of the league, but but they really haven't been able to beat those top teams and the, and the Broncos have been. So it, it'll be interesting. I would like to see what the next like five weeks look like. If they're able to go three and two over the next five weeks, I think that there's probably a conversation for them, but they're definitely going to have to win more than they lose for the rest of the season being 500 right now. They have to at least get up to 10 wins. So I think they have to at least win five more games um, to really even start to be in conversation for the playoffs. And that might not even be enough. So can they get to that point? I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of teams in the AFC that are kind of on that back end where you're like, okay, they're going to be fighting with, cause you got the bills um, you have the Texans, the Steelers, the Browns. Who else am I forgetting? I'm not even going to put the Chargers in there because they're just a hot mess. We'll talk about them later. But I think they're going to be fighting with those teams for that those wild card spots. And, and it all just is kind of depending on if their play is better than those they play. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, next topic. This was one that's been kind of floated around and I don't necessarily like hate it, but I don't know if it's warranted just yet. I do think both these guys are playing really well and we can give them their kudos, but there's been lots of comments about CJ Stroud and Brock Purdy deserving to be in the MVP conversation right now. Obviously CJ Stroud as a rookie, Brock Purdy's in his second year. Um, There was a comment made that if Brock Purdy was taken in the first round, people would talk about him a lot differently. I don't know how true that is. But when you look at their rating as quarterbacks, they're both in the top 10. Brock Purdy's number one. Um, when you look at the total yards they've thrown this year, C.J. Stroud is number two. Brock Purdy's number six. So they're both in the top 10 there. Touchdown-wise, I think they're both top 10. And uh, C.J. Stroud and Brock Purdy both only have five interceptions, which I believe, other than Russell Wilson, is some of the is one of the least amount of interceptions thrown by a quarterback in the league right now that started kind of significant time. So they're definitely both up there statistic wise. I think when you look at their play, they've both played really well. I think the 49ers as a team are definitely better than the Texans. I think when you look at CJ Stroud, he's elevated the play of the guys around him. I think when you look at the 49ers, the guys around have helped Brock Purdy, but I think Brock Purdy is a super accurate quarterback. I think he has the best completion percentage in the league yes he is the best 70.2 just 0.1 above Dak Prescott which is very interesting (laughs) um but what's your guys's thoughts on this I'll go ahead and start with David you know what's your thoughts 
do you think that they are? Do you think that they're not? Do you think that it's too early to talk about it? Where are you at on this one? I think it's a little bit too early to talk MVP with them because not, not too often, if at all, do you see a rookie win MVP. I think the last time that happened was Jim Brown, I think in 56 or something like that. And so I think that the only way I can see a rookie coming on and winning MVP is if they come on and all of a sudden they take their team to the Super Bowl and actually win, like actually light the league on fire. Like, I think that's the only way for me reasonably a rookie wins the MVP. Okay. All right. Dom. I'm going to say no for Brock Purdy, just because I firmly believe that he's elevated significantly by Kyle Shanahan and the offense around him. Um, I mean, great. He is a good quarterback. I'm not going to deny that, but you look at what Kyle Shanahan has been able to do with Jimmy G freaking Nick Mullins. Um, I forgot who else, but he, like he made guys that elsewhere have not looked like competent starters, look like competent starters. Um, I mean, you got just an amazing supporting cast around him. Um, so I don't know that he's really elevated anyone's play, but he's definitely made the machine run a lot better than, than Jimmy Garoppolo has. So I'll give him credit there. Um, I think it's too early to consider CJ Stroud for MVP, but I do think that D'Amico Ryans is a lock for coach of the year. I think it's either him or Kevin Stefanski, honestly. Yeah, I think D'Amico Ryans has pretty much locked himself as coach of the year. And I do think CJ Stroud has locked himself as rookie of the year, unless like it just falls off. You know what I mean? But I just I think that he's pretty much locked himself in offensive rookie of the year. The only thing I will say is like he's averaging basically 300 passing yards a game. Um, If he's able to continue that, what there's, we have like what, seven more games left to go for each of these teams. Am I thinking that right? So that gives him basically, we'll say another 2,100 passing yards. That puts him at 5,000 passing yards on the season. If he's able to get another we'll say 15 touchdowns that puts him around like 30 touchdowns. And if he's able to keep it under 10 interceptions, we'll say like 30 touchdowns and nine interceptions. I still, I think that puts him at the top of the league quarterback wise. And I think if they're able to keep winning, if he's able to keep elevating the guys around him, like I don't know how you don't put him in the, the MVP conversation. Cause he's playing like one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I think when you look at, I mean, obviously we know who our, top quarterbacks in the league are right now, but the guys going forward, what you have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Brock Purdy's playing like a top five quarterback in the league right now. Statistically, I know that we both kind of agree that the weapons around him are probably what's really giving him that ability. I don't, I don't think he's a complete scrub, but I do think that he is benefiting from that. You have Jalen hurts. Who's playing pretty well. I mean, other than that, CJ Stroud's got to be in that conversation with those guys, right? Like, I think this is the year where you can really make a strong argument for a non-quarterback to win the award. Um, While I'm I'm very impressed with how C.J. Stroud has played, I think quarterback play as a whole this year has kind of taken a step back. 
Um, there's really no guy that's being super dominant week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can make a clear case for Tyreek Hill, um, AJ Brown, Miles Garrett. Um, you know, I, I think those guys really need to have some recognition and and be at least talked about in the you know, MVP race. I just don't. I don't see a defensive player doing it unless they break some sort of defensive record. You know what I mean? Like, I think Miles Garrett's going to have to break the sack record. Like, I think if a cornerback wants to win it, they're going to have to break the interception record. Like, I I know how bad that sounds, but we live in a very offensive-driven world. And, like, I think Tyree Killer, A.J. Brown have a better chance of winning the MVP than what a defensive player does. Um, Now, if Miles Garrett's able to beat the sack record, maybe even blow it out of the water, which I think is a possibility with his trajectory at this point, like, I do think that you have to put him in the conversation because it's something that hasn't been broken in, what, how many years? Like, TJ Watt came close a couple years ago. So, like, you, I think you have to you have to put him in that conversation then. But I do think Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown, like, they've kind of slowed down a little bit, right? Like, Tyreek Hill was on pace for beating the record, um, but he slowed down a little bit, and Tua really hasn't looked as looked as sharp as he did those first like five weeks of the season. So I think, I don't know. I would like to see a non quarterback win it, but as we get closer and closer towards the end of the season, I think you have to start maybe realizing that there's going to be more quarterbacks in the conversation than what we thought at the beginning of the year. And if C.J. Stroud's able to continue playing the way that he's playing, if Brock Purdy's able to continue the way playing the way that he's playing like those guys are top of the league right now in multiple categories and I think that that matters um and I think if they're able to continue winning winning looks better than losing you know what I mean so especially if CJ Stroud's able to get that Texans team to the playoffs if not win their division they got to play the Jaguars this week we'll talk about that a little bit later but if they're able to win that division get to the playoffs that's going to be tough being like not having him in the conversation at least. So I don't yeah. know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Obviously like the, both these guys could fall off. Like CJ Stroud could be like, Oh, I am a rookie. <laughs> Let me start making mistakes. And that's totally a possibility. Um, I love, um, did you guys get to see his, like he joined an interview with Tom Brady and he asked him, you know, what he did to block out, all of this like positive noise pretty much that basically everybody was like, Oh my gosh, you're so great. You're so good. You're infallible. You know what I mean? These kinds of things like putting this in his head and he's like, how do you block that out and continue to go to work and do your job? Um, And Tom Brady was basically like, you're not everybody's entertainment. This is your job. This is your profession. You're not there to make everybody else's day better. You're not there to be the one to brighten everybody's day. You need to do your job for your teammates, for your coaches, for, your team. And when you realize that, then you're going to have so much success. And I think that first of all, the question, a lot of people questioned his leadership, his maturity, his intelligence level. And I think he's proving a lot of people wrong. And this question is a direct representation of that. And, you know, the response from Tom Brady is something that I don't know if we ever really got to understand what went on in his head a lot. I think he was very to himself and just did his job. And I think just this combination of, of those two guys talking, it, it helped us understand both of them a little bit better. So 
hopefully CJ takes that advice. Hopefully other quarterbacks take that advice. Um, because there have some there's been guys that have started hot and they need to make sure they stay even keeled and, and keep performing for their team. Um, I think CJ Stroud is one of them. You got Josh Dobbs. Uh, Brock Purdy's definitely a younger quarterback. Uh, Will Levis, right? He kind of started off hot in his first couple games. So I think that those guys have to remember like, hey, yes, we're doing good. Yes, there's lots of good stuff coming out from it, but we got to continue doing what we're doing. We got to block it out. So let's talk about, I hate talking about the Chargers, but goodness gracious. Here's the question for you guys, right? And I'll, I'll start with Dom on this one. Should the Chargers part ways with Brand, Brandon Staley now? Should they just cut ties after this weekend? Boom, you're gone. Should they wait till the end of the season? Or should they not part ways with him at all and give him another chance? We'll just start with that question first. I mean, part ways with him now. What's the point of... If you are if you know you're already going to make the move, why wait? You know, I right now, they have a slim chance to make the playoffs, a very slim chance to make the playoffs, but there's still a chance. And, you know, if, if getting rid of Staley will make the team better and kind of motivate the team more and give you a, a better chance to make the playoffs, then you've got to go for it, um, especially if you're going to make the move anyways. Because, you know, what's what's the point of, of dragging him along? And what's the point of really wasting another year of Justin Herbert? Um, I think the way that Herbert's played the last couple weeks – has taken a lot of the blame off of him. You know, there were people questioning, like, is it Herbert? Is it Staley? Like, what's going on here? You look at how Herbert's played this year. Like, he's on pace to have one of the better years that he's had as a pro. You know, I don't think it's really all on him. You know, and it's hard to ask a quarterback to throw 500 yards and six touchdowns every game to give your team a chance to win. At some point, it's got to come back on the defense and play calling. You know, and quarterback being the most important position on the field, they're always going to get a majority of the blame, which I get. Um, But I don't think, I really don't think their shortcomings are Justin Herbert's fault. And I think a lot of it is Brandon Saley. No, you, you can't have that much talent on both sides of the ball and not be a top team in the conference. I, I don't, I don't care how good the AFC is. You have a quarterback, like Dom said, that, if they weren't losing, we'd be looking at probably a, a top five quarterback in the league. Maybe even being like, hey, should he be in the MVP conversation? But because they're losing, he's kind of out of that right now, right? You have a wide receiving core that's good enough. You have a running back core that's definitely good enough. You have a defense that has, you know, I know they lost um, a Bosa. I don't, I don't, I can't, I didn't really get a chance to look at how significant his injury was, but before that injury, they had a superstar on all, almost all three levels of the defense. So I think that really you you have to you have to look internally and why this team is not winning. And is it the head coach? Are the players not performing the way that they should? I, I don't know, but he's just made bonehead decision after bonehead decision. And he's put them in positions to lose games. I, I don't know if you can really blame the players on that. So I don't know, David, what's, what's your thought on this now end of season or should he get another chance? Well, I think another chance is out of the question because we've made this argument of, is it the quarterback or is it the coach? 
and we've consistently said that it's the coach. Yes, quarterbacks can only do so much, and yes, they're going to struggle at some point. That That's just a given in any sport, that your main player is going to struggle at some point. So it really comes down to play calling. And so I think that – and I'll kind of go into – the the next thing that you wanted to talk about, I don't exactly have three replacing options, to be honest with you. Um, but I do think that he needs to get removed now, have an interim head coach for till the end of the season, and then at the in the off season, I think that they really need to look at. My recommendation would be Brian Flores. Um, that's just me personally. And that's the one and main option that I have to replace him. And, but you guys could have different arguments. But for me, I would say Brian Flores is the offseason replacement. Yeah. And, and for everybody at home, the next question was kind of us theorizing, you know, maybe one to three different options for them to look at for head coach next year. You know, David said Brian Flores. That was probably my number one pick. I think. When you look back at Miami, what he was able to do there, I think he was shafted a lot by what was going on behind the scenes. I think that he is definitely capable of galvanizing and leading men. Um, I I think that this would be a good spot for him, especially being a defensive-minded coach. I think that he hopefully will be able to build out a good offensive side of the coaching staff. Do not bring in Matt Canada. Um, I think that would be my only advice, <laughs> but I do think that it would be a good move for them to look at Brian Flores. The The other guy that I thought of was if the Raiders don't decide to keep him as their head coach, I think Antonio Pierce would be worth giving a look at, um, just for what they've been able, what he's been able to do in that short time. I think the rest of the season will tell whether or not it was just the guy's playing above their level because they were like, ah, yeah, screw Josh McDaniels. Or if Antonio Pierce is really the leader of men that we think he is. And I think the rest of the season will tell. And if the Raiders, they may don't have to win every game, but I do think if they're able to stay competitive and fight hard and play well, then I think that he's worth giving a look at if the Raiders decide to stupidly move on from him. Those would probably be like my top two choices. Um, Third wise, I don't really know who else out there. You know, there's going to be conversations probably like somebody on the 49ers staff or Eagles staff, uh, maybe even the Detroit Lions staff. But for right now, those are two of my two of the guys I think that the the Chargers should look at. Um, and being but the since it's coach. the Chargers, they're most likely go after Matt Canada anyways as their head coach. Yeah, that would be yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if, I mean, if you want to continue being mediocre and just ruining. Justin Herbert's life, then yeah, Matt Canada should be your next head coach. Um, that would be <laughs> that'd be fun. Uh, Dom, do you have anybody else to add? Anybody different? Um, Bill Belichick. Do we? I, really, I think his time. Do we in, really think that's an option, though. I mean, why not? You know, I mean, he he'll go into a situation with uh fide starting quarterback, a guy that, you know, could be talent-wise a top-five quarterback in the league. He's got a better offensive 
score around him, or he would have a better offense score around him than he's had in a long time in New England. Um, and he's a, he's a defensive coach, and he's going to be able to bring in guys to solidify that defense. So, I don't know. Maybe that that's his last. I, I feel like he'll only be there for like a year or two as like one last coaching job. But I don't know. Maybe. I I personally think that Bill Belichick should retire. I I think that I agree. I agree, I, but. Unfortunately, Maybe. I don't want to. I don't want to say this, but I think that Bill Belichick was key in Tom Brady's development. But I think without Tom Brady, I don't think that we would look at Bill Belichick the same. I think that it goes both ways. But I think that we've seen that he has not been as good at drafting players as he used to be. He's missed on free agents, and. If it weren't for the six Super Bowls, does he have as long as a leash as he does with the Patriots right now? And I think going to L.A. is only going to hurt his legacy because we've seen... What have we seen consistently come from the Bill Belichick disciples that have come out of New England? They go somewhere. They try to bring that Bill Belichick mentality, that like super hard, super gruff coaching mentality, like super cutthroat. They're trying to find just the gritty guys to come in and play football. And what happens to them all? They all get bounced after one, maybe two years, and they're back with Daddy Belichick, and they're not as successful. And I think think the same will be done for him. He has built the organization there. He has put the guys there that will tolerate his BS because it's him, but he's running thin. And if he goes over there to the Chargers and he thinks he's going to be able to walk in that building and be that way with guys that he has not put together, those two years that you're talking about, Dom, are going to be a disaster. You're going to have guys that are going to want out. You're going to have guys that are complaining. They're not going to play hard because they're going to be tired of being getting the, the gruff, rough treatment. And I just don't know if that's going to benefit his legacy. I think that he should look at the end of this season and be like, Let me walk away. Let me be done. Let me go down as one of the greatest NFL head coaches of all time before it's too late, before too many people have seen me be mediocre and put mediocre teams on the field. And I think he has to do that before his complete, his complete narrative is, is off the rails for him. And I just don't know if that's the best situation for him there. I don't know. I do think he'd make better decisions coaching wise than Brandon Staley. But again, the behind-the-scenes stuff matters. And we've seen that with, like, Dan Campbell and, you know, Damian Pierce and um, D'Amico Ryans. Like, those guys may not have the most experience as Bill Belichick, but they're able to galvanize the guys. They're able to be the the steady voices in the locker room. And I think that matters. I think that matters nowadays. It's the Mike Tomlin method. And... I think that, that helps win games. I, I don't know. Anything else to add on this one, guys? No, 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 no. All right, quarter four. We'll go quarter four, and then I have one thing for our overtime drive real quick, guys. Quarter four, projection times. Let's just run through these real quick. We'll start with David on this one. Texans, Jaguars. I'm going to say Texans. Texans, okay. Dom? This might be one of the tougher games to pick this week. Um I'm going to say Texans just because I I love the run that they've been on, but 
I, I think the Jaguars have maybe a more complete team, especially defensively. But, I mean, this game is really a coin toss to me. I wouldn't be surprised if either team wins. I think this is a this is a must win for the Texans. I think the Jaguars could probably get away with losing this one. But I think this is a must win for the Texans. If the Texans want to win the division, if they want to be taken seriously, if they want to take that next step, C.J. Stroud and these guys have to go out there and they have to win this game. I think, like Dom said, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be hard fought. Um, I'm going to go with the Texans just because I'm going to jump on the C.J. bandwagon and, and how they've been playing. Um, but he's got to take better care of the ball. He can't turn the ball over three times against this Jaguars team like he did this past week. It's just not going to win the game. Browns-Broncos. This is a game that this Browns team has, I think you could safely say, the best defense in the league. And as long as DTR is able to take care of the ball and they're able to run the ball, I think this is a team that has a really good chance of of taking one of those wild card spots. Um, if not, maybe even sneaking to win the division, depending on how the Ravens finish out. But they're going against a Broncos team that is hungry, that wants to win, that wants to make the playoffs. And I think this is a pivotal win for either team. But Dom, who do you think comes out on top? Uh, I'm going to say the Browns because defense travels. They're still the top defense in the league, in my opinion. Um, I think DTR really showed a lot of improvement this past week. And I think he played well against the Steelers defense, who I believe is better than the Broncos defense. So as as long as he can continue the same sort of game plan, uh, short, quick passes. I mean, there were, there were guys after the game talked about how quickly he was getting the ball out of his hands um, to kind of neutralize TJ Watts effect. Um, if he could do the same thing and the Browns can run the ball, I, I think it's a it's a winning strategy and it's something that I think the Browns will continue to do. Yeah, I think Kevin Stefanski needs his flowers. He's one of the better play callers within the league and they put together a perfect yeah. system for DTR to be successful. And if they're able to continue that, then they're going to neutralize the pass rush. I mean, I think the Steelers had one sack in the game and that was later in the game. So if you're able to get the ball out in less than, you know, two and a half seconds each and every single time and it's accurate and it's on the money, you're going to dig and dunk your way down the field. And it may be boring to watch, but <laughs> you're going to win games and who really cares at that point. So yeah, I yeah. think the Browns, I think the Browns win this game. I think the Broncos, as much as they want to win, this is going to have to be one of the ones they lose, but they'll come back and 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 win some more games down the road. David, what do you think on this one? Browns or Broncos? I think it's a Browns game to win. Um, like Dom said, defense needs to come in and like I've said throughout the year or throughout the season, I should say, that the quarterback, you don't need a flashy, fantastic quarterback. You just need a quarterback that makes his throws, doesn't make mistakes. As long as the running game's present and is effective and you have a strong defense, you're good with an average quarterback who can make throws and make passes and doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. All right. Bills v. Eagles, David. What do you got on this one? I'm going to go Eagles on this one, even though I would want the Bills to win this one, I'm going to have to say Eagles. Um, The Bills have been, even though they had a really good performance this past week, have been hit or miss lately. 
um, and you don't know which version you're going to get. Yeah, I agree. I think the Eagles come out with this one. I, I do think it's a close game, but I think the Eagles win this one. Or may, you know what? I think the Eagles win it by a couple touchdowns. I just think that their offense is that is that much better than this Bills defense, but I don't think it's going to be that way until maybe later in the game. Maybe the Eagles pull away later in the game on this one. Dom, what do you think? I think the Eagles win this one pretty easily. I think they're the best team in football, and I think they proved that on Monday night. Um, the Bills have a lot of work to do. Um, there seems to be some trouble in paradise there, and you know maybe – Maybe this team was kind of overhyped going into this season, but I, I think the the Eagles win this one pretty easily. All right, all right, all right. Um, rivalry: Oregon versus Oregon State. Oregon State put up a really good fight against Washington last week. They have an opportunity to. I think if they win this game, they'd put themselves in the Pac-12 championship game against Washington again. So they do have a good opportunity to put themselves in a, in a position to be um, successful down the road here. Oregon is trying to play to keep themselves in the hunt for the playoff. If they can win this game and then beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship, that goes a long way for them um, with the committees. But where do you guys think this game goes, Dom? Oregon or Oregon State? I'm going to say Oregon. Um, I know Oregon State has played really well, and they're a good team. But I think Oregon's arguably a top five team in the country. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they've beaten a lot of good opponents this year. Um, so I have more faith in them as a team. Yeah. Bo Nix has been lighting it up. I agree. I think Oregon comes out with this win, David. Another Oregon win for me. There you go. There you go. All right. And last up, I know we talked about him for 30 minutes earlier, but we got to know, let's be subjective. Let's be unbiased. Ohio state versus that team up North, David. Who wins this game? Who takes home the rivalry this year? I'm going to say Ohio State. Okay. Because I think that the storyline would be best for them to win. It's going storyline-based. Okay, I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. Dom, unbiased, man. What you got on this one? Ohio State or shit again? What do you got? What do you got? I genuinely think Ohio State's going to win. Um, I think all around, I think they're a more complete team. I think they played better opponents this year. Um, so I mean, they're they're battle tested, and you know I I think they have one of the best defenses in the country, and I think their offense um, is you know it's not I wouldn't say significantly better than Michigan's offense, but I think it is a better offense. Okay, guys, this game is going to be tough. This game is going to come down to the last quarter, the last possession. I think Ohio State wins this one. Walk-off field goal, walk-off last-minute touchdown by Kyle McCord. I think that's what this game is going to take. I think that Michigan is going to play like their head is on fire, and Ohio State is going to have a huge uphill battle against for themselves. And... I think they'll come out on top. Like Don said, they're battle-tested. They've been able to win through adversity. And I think as long as they're healthy and they're ready to go, this offense has the ability to be one of the best offenses in the league. It's just going to depend on Kyle McCord and Ryan Day and what they're able to do together. And that's what's going to 
sway this game in Ohio State's favor. But I do think Ohio State wins this one maybe by like one score, one field goal. That's what it's going to be. I don't know. And I think we're all going to be wanting to throw up by the end of it. <laughs> I think that's how it's going to go. <laughs> but, and if it's not, I feel like that's just disappointing. I I don't, I'd love to blow them out. I think that'd be fun this year, but I, I love when this game is competitive. You know, as, as much as it sucks to have lost the past two years, I think we'd all have, we, we all have to really be honest and be like, did it really, was it really feeling like a rivalry there? Because we just were so dominant over the past, you know, 20 years of it. So I think that them winning the past couple, it has made it, it has made it more special. It has made the hatred brew more um, and has made this game more excited. So as much as I would love a blowout on the Ohio State side, I think that this game being closer and being hard fought is going to be more of a fun game to watch and, and really add to the rivalry and give us a uh, all-time game. So, um, I'm okay with it being competitive and trading wins and losses when Ohio State takes over the all-time record over Michigan. Until then, complete domination. How, how, and how, how I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Rich Rodriguez, Rich Rodriguez era in Michigan. Bro, I forgot about where that. They, they were just a complete embarrassment, and we destroyed them by 40 every year. And what a time to be alive. Yeah, I forgot about that, man. <laughs> All right, guys, overtime real quick. We're going to play some Would You Rather. Listen, I made this comment earlier, and I'll say it again, and maybe it's an unpopular opinion, but I just feel like there's – we have a lot of – let me preface it with this. Tom Brady had made a comment that the, the NFL was mediocre. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that wholeheartedly, but I do think what doesn't help is the quarterback play that we've gotten. And I do feel like there's a lot of quarterbacks that are – that have been taken in the first round, or we have a lot of backup quarterbacks that are playing because of injuries. And there's a lot of guys getting playing time that maybe shouldn't get playing time. And I think that's maybe decreasing how some people feel about the NFL. But I wanted to do a would you rather with a lot of these guys. And I'm going to put Sam Howe as the would you rather person. Nobody in particular order wise, just kind of spout out who you'd rather have. I'm going to run down this list. It's going to be a long list because, like I said, I do feel like there's a lot of quarterbacks right now in the league, whether because of the place they were taking, taken and the way they're playing, maybe they were taken later in the rounds and they're a backup, um, or maybe, again, just their level of play just really hasn't been super impressive this year so far, um, or they were a backup, right? So this is where we're comparing with Sam Howe, and I think Sam Howe's a good line because I do feel like even though he's struggled a little bit the past four weeks or so I do think he's played all right for his first year um and it does feel like he's progressing and there's a little bit of an upside there so I do feel like Sam Howe's a good litmus test so would you rather Sam Howe we're going to start with Mac Jones Sam Howe Sam Howe I agree Sam, Sam Howe um these next two are going to be two quarterbacks in one just because two different quarterbacks have started for these teams, but would you rather Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter slash Taylor Heineke? Sam Howell. Sam Howell. Neither quarterback has been played, has played very well. Okay. I think Desmond Ritter played a little bit closer. I, I, I like Taylor Heineke, but I do feel like Desmond Ritter 
has played better than what Taylor Heineke has played this year, and I don't know if they're going to go back to Desmond Ritter because of the confidence thing now. They've kind of ruined his confidence by benching him, but maybe he's been able to take this couple weeks and get better. But I do think Desmond Ritter's a little bit closer than Taylor Heineke, but I'd rather take Sam Howe. Um, would you rather Sam Howe or Daniel Jones slash Tommy DeVito? Sam Howe. Sam Howe. Sam Howe, okay. If Tommy DeVito can, I guess, keep it up, I don't really know if that's possible, but he's been playing all right, what, his first two or three games he's played. So, I don't know. But, yeah, Sam Howell. Uh Sam Howell, guys, or Aiden O'Connell? Sam Howell. Sam Howell. Okay, I agree, I agree. If Aiden O'Connell again, kind of in that same Tommy DeVito situation, if he can continue to play better, maybe he's more close to that conversation. But, yes, Sam Howell. Uh, Sam Howell, guys, or Kenny Pickett? Sam Howell. Yeah. Even though he struggled, I'd say Sam Howell as well. At least he's been consistent. I agree. It does feel like Sam Howell's a little bit more polished of a passer than what Kenny Pickett is now. It's hard to say because we don't know if that'll change now that Matt Canada's not there. If that, you know what I mean? I think maybe this will be a more fair question towards the end of the season. But as of right now, yeah, Sam Howell. Uh, Sam Howell or Geno Smith? Or Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Sam Howell just for longevity purposes. Sam Howell's only 23. And he's got his whole he's got his whole career ahead of him. Where I I think Geno Smith, while he's played really well the last couple of years, I think he only has maybe one or two years left as a starter. And I, I think he's really only a backup anyways. Or not backup, he's a bridge quarterback. I agree well, with you, Dom. My thing is and how I'm taking this is I'm taking it as it sits right here right now if I want to be a successful team. Obviously, for longevity okay. longevity style, yes. yes. You want to take yeah. Sam Howell because he's, he's younger. But if we're doing it right here, right now, and we're creating a team, no matter how much time they have left, whether it's a year or two, or th- five or six, I'm still going to take the guy who's got a year or two and teach the person who has the six-plus years left. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. If we're looking at it like just this year, who would you rather have? I'll agree, Jano Smith. But if it's like a, a franchise dynasty kind of situation, then I would go with uh, Sam Howell. Mm-hmm. For me, I think I would go with Sam Howell with, in either. I don't. I don't really think that Geno Smith has played that much better than Sam Howell this year. Like, I don't think what I've seen from Geno Smith is like your world's above Sam Howell. You know what I mean? He doesn't turn the ball over as much, which, which puts his offense in, well, puts his team in. I agree, but I don't know how much that is to do with the Ron Rivera type offense. You know what I mean? I think when we saw in Carolina, like he had Cam Newton kind of really either run or gunsling a lot as well too. So like, this, don't forget, this isn't a, this is an Eric the Enemy offense because he's the offensive coordinator. I guess that's fair, but I don't know. I don't know. It's close. I would, I would probably just go with Sam Howe. Just like I said, I don't, I don't think that it's that far off. But I don't think either one is an awful option. Uh, Sam Howe or Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russell Wilson. I agree, Russell Wilson. Uh, Sam Howe or DTR. Sam, Sam Howell. Howell. Okay. I think DTR is close. 
I think it's close, but his, he's his, only played two games. His, so his we don't know exactly what he's done. Yes, Sam Howell's made mistakes, yeah. but he's played all, pretty much all year. His running ability adds to it, I think. Mm-hmm. But I, I do agree. I think we need to see it for like maybe three or four more weeks, and then maybe he edges him a little bit. But yeah, Sam Howell for right now. This one probably is pretty obvious, but Sam Howell or Zach Wilson? Sam Howell. Sam Howell. I'll take David over Zach Wilson. Oh no. Uh Sam Howell guys or Will Levis. That's a tough one. But I'm gonna go Sam Howell on that. I I'm gonna avoid Mayo Man until uh Otherwise, proven differently. Um, yeah, I agree. I was impressed with Sam, um, not Sam Howell, um, Will Levis's first start. Um, but I mean, he in his defense, he doesn't really have anyone around him. Um, I think Sam Howell. We've seen him throw three or more touchdowns multiple times this year. Um, yeah, he's made his mistakes, but you know, we've seen his ability to to move the ball down the field. Will Levis is a guy where. If he's able to play the way he did in his first performance, or at least close to it, I would probably take him over Sam Howe, right? But it's another guy that kind of suffers from that. We haven't seen enough, but I do think Will Levis is close to Sam Howe, a lot closer than um, maybe some of the other guys. But yeah, I'd probably go with Sam Howe right now. Um, We're hitting our last three here. Sam Howe or Gardner Minshew? Gardner Minshew. Yeah, Gardner. Uncle Rico. I'm I'm gonna go with Sam Howe. I listen, Gardner Minshew, I think is a really good backup quarterback, but I think his time of us really believing that he could be a starter is is over. I think Gardner Minshew is is gonna be one of those guys that's gonna be a backup quarterback for a long time in this league, but he's he's gonna be one of the better ones. And I think that we could look at him in the same light as we do um other guys that have, have held that I don't know that that spot kind of like a Fitzpatrick, right? Just a guy that's able to come in, be a gunslinger type, light up the the stat sheet, get some wins for you um, and be electric in the locker room. And I think that's that's kind of the role that he's going to fill. I just don't know if he can be a regular starter in the league, Um, but I'm going to go with Sam Howell over him. I'm going to go with Minshew just because I I disagree that he's just a backup. You know, you look at what he did his first two years. His rookie year, he went 21 touchdowns, six interceptions. Then his second year, 16 touchdowns, five interceptions. This year, you know, eight and six. He's not really slinging the ball down the field, but he's still managing the game pretty well. Um, I think he has the intangibles to to lead a team. And, you know, I, I think if he had a better supporting cast around him in the wide receiver room besides Michael Pittman, um, I, I feel like his numbers would be – a little bit better, but this year he has a better QBR and he has half the touchdowns than Sam Howell does. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I I really wanted him to be good. I think you love the narrative of it, but I don't know right now. I just think right now I'm going to take Sam Howell. I think he's, I think he's really close. I think that you could really put him in the same conversation as like Geno Smith and Russell Wilson and Sam Howe when you talk about these this level of quarterback that we're seeing right now. Um, but I just don't know if I would take him over Sam Howe. Sam Howe or 
Bryce Young. It's a tough one. You know what's crazy though? Right now, I would, I would say go Sam Howell. I would say Sam Howell. Yeah, and here's the last one I had on here: Sam Howell or Josh Dobbs. Sam Howell, just because we've seen him play over a whole season instead of just three yes. really good games. We haven't. Seen I mean, Josh. Josh Dobbs have played seen, this whole season. Yeah, I know, but he. He had like one good game in Arizona and then was mediocre at best. And really only since coming to Minnesota has he really impressed a lot of people. He's had he's had um, three really good games. I know they lost this last one, but it was what he's had it? three really good games, but we've I feel like we've seen more consistent good play out but, of out of Sam But Howell. I don't I don't think we've seen more than four really good games from Sam Howell either. You know what I mean? And I think the rest of it has been very like and this is Josh Dobbs' first year as like an actual starter, right? And he's bounced around different teams. So I'm actually going to go with Josh Dobbs on this one. I think you can put him in that same argument as like a Geno Smith where like I think both of those guys you could argue right now you'd take over Sam Howell, but Sam Howell's close. Um but I just think Right now, Josh Dobbs is a little bit better of a quarterback than what Sam Howell is. I, I think his rushing ability over Sam Howell is kind of what sets him apart. Yeah, I and that's kind of how I felt about like DTR. Like I think DTR, if he's able to put together four or five like good quality games, then I think maybe you could start to look at him in the same that same light. You know what I mean? Like his ability to kind of move in the pocket, rush, and if he's able to stay um, accurate and consistent, I think that would be conversation but alrighty 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 um, we'll go ahead and end it here guys thank you so much for listening to another episode of two minute drill presented by deep dive sports we'll catch you on the next one thank you everyone for listening to another episode of two minute drill and make sure to follow the show on instagram at two minute drill podcast dds don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, two-minute drill listeners, until next time.